live. Welcome back to another episode of the Doctrines of Rad, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Today, uh, we're going to have a, a little bit of a deeper conversation about pastoral disqualifications and pastors who uh, um, have done things in their past or uh, while doing ministry or while believers um, that disqualify them from being pastors. Uh, today, we're joined by Josh Slater, Pastor Slater uh, out of uh, Texas. And you guys know Drew. Hello. Um, how's everybody doing? How you guys doing, guys? What's going on, guys? Good. I, it's, well, un man. it's unfortunate we didn't get to do this last uh, week, but uh, for everybody out there that was hoping on a podcast from us, uh, our apologies, but it was the holiday. It was 4th of July weekend, and we just didn't have the... Uh, we just couldn't, we couldn't work it out. I don't know. Remember, I don't even remember what the problem was. We just couldn't, uh, couldn't sort it out. Uh, weather and my, uh, Oh, that's right. Yeah. Server. Yeah. 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 You're right. yeah. Yep. Well, that's what, that's what you get when you got Taco Bell internet, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cheap though. Yeah. got to go get that free Taco Bell Wi-Fi, bruh. That's right. So today I want to, I'm going to give a scenario of a, uh, of a hypothetical, let's say it's a hypothetical minister. Um, and we invited Pastor Slater on here to give us his uh, his his take on this and his experience um, uh, as he's, you know, been in pastoral ministry for a longer period of time um, and just his opinion. And uh, I've, I've talked to Drew a little bit about this and what he thinks, and we're just going to kind of work through this and work through all the uh, uh, different, uh, it's, it's, it's a muddy, it's a muddy, people are, messy right so it's going to be a muddy yeah. situation and there's a there's a lot of nuances to it that we're going to have to work through um but all right here we go so the scenario is this uh, a person has been called to ministry they've been ordained um, they've been doing ministry for a significant amount of time married uh ends up having an affair with another member of his congregation um him and his, it comes to light. The congregation kind of uh, shuns their behavior and calls them to an, uh, um, a moment of repentance. Um, and they ask this pastor to step down. Uh, the pastor ends up divorcing his wife and continuing his affair with uh, this woman. She eventually leaves her husband and they continue to kind of, I guess, meet in secret. They, um, continue to be in a relationship after both of them have been divorced um, and they refuse to get married uh, mainly because the uh, woman that he had an affair with is receiving alimony. Um, once the alimony uh, ran out, they got married. Totally um, hypothetical situation, by the way. Like, very, this, very, <laughs> very, weird very detailed. <laughs> Definitely not a real person. I, I just I just want to give you the most dramatic experience ever. But after the alimony had ran out, they finally got uh, married and uh, eventually would come to church again, uh, come to ministry again, would begin a Bible study, um, and then become at the lead pastor of a church after a church split. Um, and so that individual is now pastoring a church. Uh, full-time is the head pastor of this church. Um, and that that's the background. Um, yeah. Wow. That's a what do you, yeah. yeah. It, well, and I, I believe God can redeem any situation. Right. Um, but I, I'm yeah. real curious, is this man disqualified for ministry? 
So um, as I've been thinking, as we've talked about this and I've been thinking about it, um, before we really get into the the question of this man's qualifications or disqualifications, um, one of the things I really want to I want to talk about with you guys is the reason or um, the qualifications for a pastor, right? Why sh- why is somebody a pastor? How should they act as a pastor, right? Um, so the first place I want to look, I'm, we're going to go to some scripture if you guys don't mind. Um, Absolutely. So first, I want to look at. First Peter chapter five, verses one through, um, well, one through three, essentially is where we're going to start. Um, so if you have a Bible or if you're taking notes, this is kind of where we want to start. So if you know the book of Peter, Peter's writing to the church in Asia, and he's trying to encourage them to continue to persevere, right? Um, it admits persecution, and this this chapter five is the last, um, the last exhortation that he gives to this church. And he begins in verse one, he says this, he says, so I exhort the elders among you as as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So Peter there is encouraging his, those elders, those leaders, those pastors, that that's what we call them typically now, right? That they are to shepherd God's flock and to be an example to the flock. So a, a pastor living in sin, unrepentance and is not being an example to the flock. So then you got to ask why, why is this pastor continuing to do something that he knows disqualifies him from that calling well could it be because he's seeking shameful gain right because i mean peter tells us right here not for shameful gain but eagerly what would, is it what the gain itself that's shame shameful or is it the can there be a, a gain that is not shameful well i mean i think there can be a shame that's not or a gain that's not shameful but at the same time, like if you know the word of God and you are a man of the word, right? If you if you are a man that is is trying to preach and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and you know what you're doing is a disgrace to that. Yeah. Why? Why do you continue? Is it because I'm not I'm not I don't want to I don't want to kind of try to embarrassment maybe? determine. Well, I mean, maybe. But if that's a, for, a form of uh, embarrassment is also pride, right? Right. Sure. Yeah. And so if you're if you're continuing in that lifestyle um, or you're continuing in that sin without repentance, then if it's because you're embarrassed, then you are prideful. And so the the shameful gain there is you don't want to lose face. Right. Yeah. You yeah. don't want to um, you don't want people to look at you differently. Yeah. So, and so the reality is, go ahead. Yeah. I was just saying, I, so one thing leading to shameful gain, right? Because uh, all the messiness that is going to unravel as this can unfolds. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then also, you know, are you, are you being an example to your flock? Are you living the, the holy life that you've been called to? 
mm. as the pastor in that situation, right? I mean, one of the things that Peter continually hits in this book, and I and I I, I suggest everybody go read it. I mean, he's fantastic, but he continues to hit the fact that regardless of our circumstances, we should live holy lives. We should be different from the world around us, absolutely. Regardless of how we're being treated, regardless of whatever. So, is I would is say, in fact, we, we should be. We should expect, especially in the position of eldership or leadership, we should expect to not be treated. Uh, we should be. We should expect the treatment to be worse, uh, yeah. because we are proclaiming the gospel uh, in an yeah. authoritative type way. Yeah. As Absolutely. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, right? So you yeah. end up following your elders as they follow Christ. So shameful, so, I mean, we, we, shameful gain. Let's get back to that specifically. Um, you know, are we talking about, uh, you know, that personal power, that 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 uh, that feeling of of power and authority over a congregation or a flock? Is that the type of gain? Are we talking about a, a financial gain? Are we talking about just, uh, just in general a... Um, Oh gosh, the I think, perception of you know it goes back. I to think pride. any of yeah. them, but you know specifically here, um, it depends on the translation that that you read. But some of the translations talk about specifically money that mm. you should not uh, out of greed go and and do this. So it could be greed. It could be. Uh, perception. I mean, it could be any number of things. And I think that's one of the reasons that, that Peter keeps it a little vague when he's mm. talking about it is because if he, if he gave a specific, as people tend to do, we're going to find a way to go around that specific instance. Right. Are the new, so, are the new, would the nuances of the adultery be shameful gain? Well, I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, in your example, the reason why those two didn't get to get married after the sin was because of the right with the alimony that she was receiving, right? Yeah. <laughs> he made you laugh too. Yeah, way to go, Maybe. Andrew. Um, <laughs> anyway, so um the thing is is that when when somebody's in a position of power like that, right? pastorally we have to definitely guard our hearts against anything that's going to puff ourselves up or make our make, make ourselves feel untouchable right we have to be we have to be more on guard than most people because we do have a flock right we right. do have a flock that is looking to us and our whatever that shameful gain or if we're domineering or whatever it is, if we have that, then we're going to lead other people astray. It's yeah. one thing for a congregation member to be going astray. It's a different thing. If somebody is leading people astray, yeah. right? somebody is, is, is taking them down the road of destruction. Right. Yeah. It's intentionality, um, right? I mean, there, you can make mistakes, yeah. You can uh, you can fall fall away or fall into some sort of a you know a, a sin trap, in some ways. Mm -hmm. But to to intentionally knowing better, I mean, doesn't it really boil down to this guy just knows better? I mean, in this or should area, know better. I mean, at least. Well, if he doesn't know better, would he not? Would he not have started off disqualified in the beginning? I mean, if, how do you, do you not? Well, how do you not know better 
than to to do the things that you're doing as a leader in the church for the second time for for the second ministry that he took on or for the first was he was he in ministry when he fell into sin both times yeah he Uh, was a pastor the first time yeah i guess he he was a pastor uh the first time so yeah i mean there's no there's no excuse i mean there's it's very clear to me that i don't know I, I don't know the person's heart, but to me, it sounds like if, if you're in a position of pastorship, uh, it takes it. I don't know if like I don't maybe my experience is different, but I've like had a calling to be a pastor and I've been waiting for 20 years and it still hasn't happened. So I don't know how some of these people are instantly like magically becoming pastors and not knowing what the Bible says and what is sin and what is not. Oh, you just yeah. go online. If you go online, you type in a pastoral certificate and you pay $35. And... Well, obviously that's problematic. <laughs> well, the, the problem is, is, I mean, the people who are seeking to be pastors in these types of situation is they, they're doing exactly what Peter is, is speaking against here, right? They're looking for some sort of authority. They're looking for some sort of financial gain. They're looking to, to have power over a congregation. Rather than being an example to the flock. And that's the problem is the, and the other thing is, is that we need to remember as pastors that it's not our flock. Right. He's Peter's very intentional in the language that he says here. He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. They're God's people, you know. And so the, these pastors who are who are uh, I don't want to say it without getting too passionate about it. these pastors who are preaching things that do not align with the word of God, who do not, that does not glorify God. I mean, they're just as damned as, as those who fall into sin. Right. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's, um, it's an interesting thing. And Drew, I mean, like you, I I was called into the ministry when I was young and I avoided that call for so long. Mm. Um, and as I avoided, I think I was like 16 when I find, when I felt God calling me into the ministry, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And I didn't enter into the ministry until I was over 30, right? Um, and part of that was my own stubbornness. And then when I was finally ready, the Lord took his time making me understand humility, mm. right? Making me understand that it's not about me it's all about him because i came out of bible college man thinking i was walking on the cloud nine and i was ready to serve Mm. wherever because people needed me right that i was needed and i think this is part of that shameful game thing is that pastors can get in this complex in their mind that that the congregation needs them no man they need jesus they could do without amen but they need more jesus right absolutely and um Anyway, and so I, I did that for a long time. I mean, I, I got out of Bible college and I went straight in the seminary. And it was wasn't until my third year of seminary that I finally was able that the Lord opened the door for me to serve in a congregation. Um, and then in that instance, God was still teaching me humility. But this whole time I had to recognize that God was teaching me something. So I want to encourage you, Drew, if you feel like you're called to ministry, I want to encourage you to to stick it out and just know that God is is working on you and preparing you for something. Yeah, I'm I'm at the point, bro. I'm honestly I and I was telling my wife this pretty recently. I I'm just uh I'm tired of fighting it and to fighting for it. And mm. and 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 I, and you know, I think it really truly is uh it's been a, a point of pride for me 
uh, for a while, but uh, it's it's a it's a control thing too. And uh, mm, I see for that. me, I get that. Um, I'm just gonna I'm gonna find wherever I can serve in the church, and I'm yeah. gonna serve, and that's that's it. And uh, when it comes to teaching, um, I have outlets like TikTok and YouTube that I can uh, go and teach. And uh, but I, I truly I truly desire that. Um, I want the accountability, you know, I, I want to fall under my pastor and I already do in church anyway, you know, I fall under his authority. I submit myself to his authority. Um, but I just, I just want to serve the body, man. Um, at the end of the day, I know what God has gifted me with, um, and I want to just fit where God needs me. And so, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it just, it makes me mad and I'll be just, this is just my, my pride and my ego that comes out my, a little bit of jealousy, but it makes me mad when I see these churches with these pastors that do things like this, that are, are clearly disqualifying factors, um, yeah. adulterous relationships, uh, embezzling money, uh, misuse of church funds, uh, things like that. And, and, and I'm sitting here and I, I feel like I want to say to God, why aren't you using me? I wouldn't do those things, you know? And, and I know that that's arrogance too. Like I'm not, I'm not dumb. Like I'm, I'm well aware that I, you know, I, I think way too highly of myself than I should. Um, but uh, it does get me frustrated, man. I've, I've dealt with some church hurt in that realm when it comes to going to pastors and being like, Hey, I feel like I'm called into this sort of thing or whatever and being ignored, being looked over, uh, be, you know, not being considered for those positions. Um, and it's been, it's been hurtful. And I'm like, well, why, you know, like, well, it's like my question to the Lord is why would you call me into this and, and just make me wait. But again, you know, I feel like God would have a very Job like conversation with me and say, where were you when I created the oceans? Where were you when I yeah. created the sky? Yeah, why you know, are you questioning like, it? Just yeah, it's not about me. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, Definitely one of the things I'm there that right now. Oh, hey, it's Jesus comfort. fan account. Hey, what's up? I just got to say hi to her. Can we just take one pause real quick? This sister right here, I was in her live earlier today, and I know we're doing a podcast, and I'm totally breaking all the rules of podcasting. This young lady right here, is so on fire for the Lord. I was in her right. live watching her just talk about her testimony. I really want to encourage her. She is amazing. Um, very, very happy to see her in here today. So sorry. Oh, I just followed her the other day. She's great. She's, she's, she's fan. Great. I just think it's just, I want to encourage people, especially young people Absolutely. that are serving the Lord and passionate about it. Don't ever lose your fire. Do not, please do not lose it. Right. Yeah. I so mean, I guess I, I think. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say I really want to focus on. Um, so we 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 have somebody who's been caught in adultery, uh, has I guess stepped away from the ministry for a long time, and now is back to doing ministry, but is still married mm -hmm. to the person he had an affair with. Does the marriage to that individual uh, reconcile his behavior, or is there some form of repentance that needs to occur within the marriage? Um, and another thing I want to ask is I, me personally, I feel that if you truly have a reverence for the Bible, right. And what the Bible says, uh, for the qualifications of elders, right. That 
you you step down willingly knowing that you did something in that position that is shameful um, and is not an example to the body and you just you just accept the fact and you submit to scripture and say you know what this is something i'm no longer allowed to do right and it it, it becomes an example to the body of christ that that's how important scripture is right i i had this calling i i messed it up and now i'm no longer going to perform that duty because i'm, I'm disqualified i'm going to submit so, to scripture and not do it so my question to you logan is do you believe that someone in a pastoral position is forever disqualified in that instance i think so I, I you think do. so? I do. Um, here, so and here's the, the reason I'm asking that because our whole previous marriage is reconciled. Yeah, I think so. Because I, I'm thinking about like the whole basis of our our uh, belief system, right? Is mm. on reconciliation mm. and restoration. Yep. Right. And so, does somebody who created what is an egregious sin? Right. I mean, it is wicked. It is evil and it is vile. Are they forever disqualified or could they be restored or reconciled? Reconciled. I, so David's David's restored. Right. Murder. I know I, it's mm -hmm. so hard not to laugh at the elf bro's house. Elf I, needs attention. <laughs> These yeah, comments, man. I'm, try, I'm trying to be serious. I'm trying to, I'm I'm trying dying, to talk bro. about pastoral qualifications and discord. I got a naked cat next to me who doesn't want to leave, and he looks like Bobby from Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying, bro. It's so good. Bobby needs a pet, master. Do you have socks for Dobby? Give that cat a sock. And he'll go away. Give him a oh, oh my gosh! Oh my goodness. So I I 100% agree with you, Josh. That this, what makes Christianity unique is there is this sense of reconciliation that comes through, not what we do, but what Christ has done for us. But what what act of repentance needed to occur? This break away from ministry for a while to continue in in a marriage that I don't think God honors. And maybe he does. Maybe there is reconciliation within that marriage somehow. Um, I, I don't know. I, right. I, I mean, was there true repentance? I mean, did this guy, I mean, he's been faithful in this marriage, right? This current marriage, this hypothetical current marriage for the last 40 plus years. Right. Correct. So is there, a sense of some sort. I mean, we don't know his heart. Do we know if he repented? Do we know if he, um, you know, we don't know all the circumstances surrounding this hypothetical situation. Um, but let's say there is absolutely true repentance. There is a, a, a broken contrition over the fact that he uh, sinned not only against his wife, but most, most importantly against God. And he asked God for forgiveness and now and his congregation as well, right? And his congregation, the, the yeah, church that he, he had failed. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's a messy situation. Um, what as does a it, pastor, what does it mean head, to be a husband of one wife, though? 
Is that's that a one very good question? I mean, in my in my thought, and this is just my me spitballing off the top of my head. If you've been married and divorced once, you are disqualified. You are no longer qualified to pastor unless you get restored to the wife of your youth. So I always read that as pagan or not pagan, but uh, polygamy. Polygamy. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be, but what is the root? What's the root of that? I mean, when it when it's talked about in Greek, uh, and I haven't done enough research, so you know, I I, I had two weeks to do <laughs> any research that I could have done, but I didn't. Um, but yeah, I mean, but wouldn't that if it was polygamy, then wouldn't it wouldn't it give allowance for polygamy then in the church, and just not as the elder or pastor? If it was a if it, if the verse was well, not specific, if not if he's to be an example right not if he's to be, be um, an example of the congregation then then that wouldn't necessarily okay allow for polygamy, polygamy within the church right? so it it would be more along the lines of as the pastor to be married to just one woman and even if you have congregants that come in that are married to many wives then uh, it's not acceptable but. It, it seems that seems to draw a weird line, though. That doesn't seem to to make a well, whole the, lot of sense. the reality is. I mean, those pagans are going to were getting converted to Christianity, right? And they were married to more than one wife prior to their conversion, right? And so now this man is demonstrating what what it looks like to have a marriage that honors the Lord, right? or this re- or this religion is demonstrating what it looks like or, now yeah. that you're come out of a, a world of, of a polygamy. Hmm. Um, I'm going to need to do some deep diving into that one, man. I don't feel like it's polygamy. I really don't. I just something within me and I could be totally off. Uh, I think it has to do with, uh, with, um, the, the loving, the, the, the example that we should set uh, in the sense of being with one person, uh, like mating for life sort of deal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it is that as well, right? Like that is the yeah. example, right? So, and here's the biggest now, thing. This, this individual can never preach on marriage, right? And the importance and the value of it and how significant it is and that your marriage is an actual act of worship to a holy and righteous God. Right. I mean, they could if my... they were to if they if they laid out their flaws and their own sin to explain, do not take, you know, do not do the things that I did. I had to learn the hard way they could preach on marriage, but not not in the sense of like setting the example uh, for the rest of the body. Using their their past mistake as an example. Well, I mean, it's there's it's just there's a lot of like this. The same person had a lot of mistakes, right? It's not just the past mistake prior to them becoming a pastor, but we're talking about a guy that's living in a you know adultery, or has had committed adultery and is now with this new person, right? right. Or am I? Or am I miss? Did I misunderstand the intro? I may have been distracted. I don't understand the question. Well, Say that again. The scenario that you gave. Can yeah. you can you give that scenario again? Can you just give me a brief once over one more time? Because I feel like I may have missed something. Called the ministry, ordained, pastoring, and married. Has an affair, gets divorced, continues in an affair. The other, the other person gets divorced. They continue to live together, uh, continue their relationship until unmarried. 
until alimony runs out for the the uh, the woman that he had an affair with. Um, time passes. They they get married. Time passes, and then uh, they begin to start a Bible study. And eventually, when it, this church splits, they begin their own church and become. He becomes a pastor, head pastor of this church. It's a tough one, man. That's why divorce sucks. You shouldn't be getting divorced. Yeah, divorce absolutely sucks. <laughs> we hate divorce. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, does God. I mean, God hates divorce. Absolutely. So just doing a quick quick look, I'm, I'm looking up some commentaries real quick over this, uh, over First Timothy uh, 3. Most of these commentaries I'm looking at are talking about that. The husband of one wife is is essentially he's addressing polygamy in that situation okay um i'll accept so, that for now until i do my own research i mean i know yeah. until this, this i just study a, this it was, <laughs> like i said this is just kind of an overview over what over what we're um what we're looking at i mean should a man be faithful to one wife right i mean all over the place we should we see that definitely i i don't know I don't. Maybe this is just because I'm a pastor, and I, I know um, the temptation, you and the difficulties out there. How <laughs> sinful, how wicked I am. I mean, it's true. Um, but like, I, I I don't I don't see how there could not be restoration. How there could so not the, be. So in this hypo, in this hypothetical story, people within the community of that church um, have stated, you know, there was restoration for David, right? Mm-hmm. David was a murderer and a, a adulterer, and um, he, he lost his child in the process, but there is uh, restoration for him, right? He's still right. seen as a man after God's own heart. Um, I, I, I tried to, so I, I have been taking a hard stand on this, and I tried to give arguments against like uh, against my position. Well, Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount that, you know, if you even look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery. Right. And that in yeah. turn on the back end, well, I've committed adultery then. So I'm disqualified. Right. Can I, can I also bring up a point? We, since we're talking about this polygamy thing, when Jesus is at the well with the Samaritan woman and she is referring to her husband, Jesus says, go call your husband. And she's basically like, yeah, I don't, I don't have one right now. He's like, well, you're right. You have five. So is God the idea? I mean, you had five in the one that you're, he says you had five and the one you're living with now is not your husband. I'm, 95%. So, but is that still like he's he's still he's still serving an uh, an observation of of this of this missing the mark, right? Like he's he's like you're right it to say that. He's 100% missing the mark. Yes. So, so in this case though, uh I don't know, man. It just keep keep going. I'm just going to keep spin spinning things up. But you guys uh you guys keep going. Well, here's here's another thing I'm thinking. Is it possible that this man was not regenerate the first time anyway? Right. Yeah. Is that a possibility? Absolutely. And if 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 that's the truth. Right. I mean, now we're leading into speculation, obviously. But if the reality is he wasn't regenerate, which there are pastors standing in pulpits right now who aren't in regenerate. Right. I mean, there there are 100 percent pastors that aren't regenerate right now. Don't you say Joel wasn't. Huh? 
Don't you say Olstein. Okay. Hey, I'm not saying that man's an is. angel. <laughs> He's but a saint of if God. He, if he, he wants you to live your best life now. Sorry. Go ahead, Josh. If he wasn't regenerate and he divorced his wife, right? I mean, we wouldn't expect anything less than. Right? Right. Um, wouldn't expect more. But then that him. means if 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 he then becomes regenerate and is truly repentant of his sins and turns towards Jesus, right? Jesus calls him into the flock with this woman that he's now married to. Maybe that's why God blessed him in that ministry. Maybe now things have changed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So does does that past sin now disqualify him even though he was not part of the flock of God and he was pretending? Well, then if I if I wanted to remain intellectually consistent with that, I would say anyone who had a bad past and became a pastor is disqualified. So no, I can't I can't say that, right? I don't I wouldn't say But that. it does but that's I all mean, of us. In, within the specific qualifications of pastor, it I understand, again, your argument is it's polygamy, but it says the husband of one wife. When Jesus refers to the woman at the well, she says, you have had five husbands. So would that still not be, would that still not count for the man if he had a, a wife that he was no longer married to? Is that it's still, he was still a husband to two wives, in his life. I mean, it's, it's, I understand the, 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 the concession is for, is there against the, the polygamous relationship, but what is the role when you, even, even if you're not regenerate, I don't know, man, this is way too complicated, I think, for me to try to work out on this, but like the more that I think about it, the more that I roll into, I just, it doesn't sit right with me. But so what does Christ tell us, right? That, uh, that, you know, because of the hardness of hearts of the Israelites, Moses offered a certificate of divorce, right? But that is not what God right. wanted. Right. It's not what he had planned. So obviously divorce, like it should, it, it means more than what we think of it in the West, right? It has more value. 100%. Yeah. Right. And and we, and we don't preach on it enough. Like the, the importance of divorce and staying in love and like love is an action. It's not just a feeling. Um, like for me, this man is disqualified. He's, he's, he's tarnished the, 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 the value of what love is and how it is an act of worship to a holy and righteous God, you know, um, it, now the, the, that's not the question. We obviously understand that divorce is, is wrong. Um, it's, is there restoration to the point that somebody can then go back and do ministry as a, as a pastor again? I, I want to say no, because in, in my mind, at least where my heart is right now, there needs to be, you, you, you should want to feel the weight of that and say, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I messed up. I had an opportunity and I blew it, right? I failed I to, I, I, I fell to my sin. I, I allowed it to, you know, the, he put himself in situations where obviously he built a relationship with this person, right? To, like that that's how adultery starts right it doesn't just happen you you, you don't just you know, slip you, to, you don't just slip Oops. right you you, <laughs> you test you touch the water see how warm it is and then you kind right. of go a little bit deeper right. and deeper yeah um, and he put himself in positions where he shouldn't have been right so it, it there is it, it's not passive sin it was he actually it was action right he was he was going into this knowing what he was doing um i think just for a love for for his God, he should want to step down. Right. So, and okay. Say, you know what? So, Somebody so else fill this role. 
so let's think about this real quick, guys. All right. So I'm going to read First Timothy 3, okay? Yep. And we're going to look at um, the qualifications. And as I'm reading it, I want you guys to think, am I holding this specific violation of the qualifications to a different standard than I am the rest of it? That's a good, that's good. Let's, I like that. Let's go. Let's that. Right. Okay. So first yeah. Timothy chapter three, verse one says this, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own, own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Amen. He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. Okay. So, my question to you is, as we're thinking this out, as we're working this out, he's remarried. Out, he's divorced his wife. He's remarried. We say he's disqualified. What if he it used to be an abuser of alcohol? Mm-hmm. What if he is not respectable or he never opens his home to people? He's not hospitable. What if he's doesn't have self-control? He's a glutton. Yeah. Right. What if he's a drunkard? Um, what if he's violent? What if he is one that picks fights with people? Are if if these are their characteristics right now, does that forever disqualify them? Yeah, no, I I think uh, I'm I'm going to concede my point to you, Josh. Uh, I think you present a very good argument, uh, and um, I've changed my mind. Thanks. Uh, well, I, I, that's not what I was trying to do. I'm just I'm just I'll no, I'm serious. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm being honest with you. I'm not being dishonest. I'm not like throwing in the towel, being like, "All right, forget no, no. it, man. Whatever." I, but I no, wanna, you bring so up a valid point. I want to. I want to push back. So I, I don't okay. agree oh. yet. Okay, take my position, Logan. Fine. Uh, <laughs> push back. A husband of one wife, right? Marriage is different than somebody who gets angry, who is a lover of wine or money or quarrelsome, right? That is that is a covenant between you, God, and your spouse. It has, it is bigger than these other things. It holds more, more weight. Well, it is a covenant. I think that is the difference that you, when you, in a marriage, you are making a covenantal agreement between you, you, your wife and God. Right. So that in and of itself, like in, when it comes to alcohol and stuff, like you're not making a covenant uh, with alcoholism, you know, it's like you can, you could fall into that. So I do agree that there's there seems to be a difference. How would you qualify that, Josh? I would say that there is definitely a difference. But but here's what we have to understand. What Paul is really pushing in First Timothy is that the character of the man is more important than anything else. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you look yeah. at if you look at, at verse seven, what he said, is saying, he must be well thought of by outsiders. So the only qualification as far as um, his ability right? Is that he must be able to teach. That's the only qualifier in there as far as his ability, but everything else appeals Mm. to his, his character. Now, if you have somebody who had a bad character, right? And, and I, I am not by any means 
like devaluing or or saying that divorce is not painful, it is not hurtful, it is not wicked. But according to this list that Paul gives us, he could have set husband of one wife aside, right? He could have said something. He could have made that its own qualification, like you must be married to one woman in order for this to be thing. But he doesn't. He puts them all together, right? And he says that. So for me, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, well, I mean, if somebody's not respectable, if nobody, if they're not self-controlled, if they're violent, if they're quarrelsome, if they're not a lover of money, they shouldn't be pastors. Now, does that mean that they can't have a through sanctification, have a change of heart, right? Like God actually changes them and transforms them to where they're not those things. Because I'm looking at this list right now. And even as a Christian, I'm, I'm especially prior to the last 10 years, like I fail on just about every single one of these notes. Sure. Right. Uh, yeah, which, I, I, I agree with you. I, I do. Um, but I guess we got to ask them, what does, what is, what is this marriage that he's in? Well, and is this and, marriage honored by God, but before we go the there, way- I'm sorry. I think we need to note that a lot of these things are habitual practices. A lot right, of these yeah. mentions are habitual. They're not, it's not saying, you know, I mean, you could maybe make an argument that if you fell into being a lover of money once by accident or whatever, that you could be. Dis- but I think that this is more of a habitual practice. Yes, yeah, the character. Yeah, yeah these are these form. are continuational. These are that's the difference between being able to drink a beer and being an alcoholic. You know, being right. a drunkard Absolutely. and drinking a beer. There's two vastly different things when it comes to scripture regarding so, that. So at the same time, looking at that, if, if we if we want to qualify these as habitual things, like is this pastor in this hypothetical situation continually con- committing adultery? Or was it just one sin right. that he fell into? Right. Mm. Is this is this something that he continues to do? Is he has he committed adultery over the past 40 plus years since he's been married to this one wife? Or was it just like a I don't know. I don't want to call it just a slip up. It's more than a slip up. But you know what I mean? Like, was it just yeah. one of those things that he was ensnared in? I mean, for the from the time I was 15 to the time I was 26, I was addicted to pornography. Right. And so right. like and, and once I got married at 22, then I was committing adultery on my wife night after night. Right. So does yeah. that disqualify me? Right. And and so we've just got to be like and I. I've struggled with this. I'll be honest with you. I've struggled with this whole husband of the one wife thing. And to be honest with you, if I was in a church and I found out that the pastor had been divorced and was in this situation, I would not be a part of that church. Really? Like I just wouldn't. I, I wouldn't either. I couldn't so, do it. But, so you're saying he's not disqualified because potentially can be reconciled by Christ to be in that position. But even the messiness of it draws you away. From that congregation. Yes. Absolutely. Really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't, um, now that is me from a distance. Now, if I got to know this guy, you know, if we sat down and we had some coffee and we had some conversations, that and, makes a big difference. Know, it's easy to judge somebody and avoid somebody from a distance, right? Um, but right. if I was absolutely knew this guy, like if I got to know him, maybe that would change my mind. But like if there was something and I found out, that this guy had committed adultery and he had left his wife and he had been married to somebody else. And then I would be very weary about that congregation personally. Right. But I would do the same thing if I knew that somebody was not gentle, right. If they were continually being quarrelsome, 
right? If they were somebody who was seeking after money, right? They were being a lover of money. I would do the same thing. I would always be weary of somebody who does not fit into the categories that Paul lays before us here, right? Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about another pastor who was very popular, right? And he has his own podcast about him, right? And he had a mega church and he did not, he violated this, some of these qualifications. He was not the husband. He didn't violate his marriage covenant, but he was definitely not gentle. Mark Driscoll. definitely quarrelsome. <laughs> I wasn't going to say his name, but yeah. Call um, him out, man. I, I have no problem calling it. These are real conversations that we have to have. And... But now, now he's he's moved from, um, where was he? Portland, right? I think he was in Washington. There. Washington State. Washington, yeah. Yeah. So he moved from there, and now he's a pastor of a church in Arizona. Arizona, yeah. As much as much as I loved, I, I loved listening to Mark Driscoll preach yeah. 15, 20 years ago, right? Yeah. I mean, he was dynamic in his ability to teach. I can't listen to I him. I haven't today. listened to him at once. I can't. I've, I've, I've seen him. him. Once. He's come up on TikTok. He has a TikTok account. I've seen him on TikTok. I've seen his YouTube. I can't do it either, man. It's over for me. He To know, to know what he was doing in the midst, the sin that he was committing in the midst of his most dynamic preaching— However, God gets the glory. So that's not the issue, right? Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, is knowing the type of sin that he was committing, and there was no outer appearance to the general viewer of his and listener to his sermon. How can I ever have confidence that he is not still continuing in that? Uh, I just don't feel like I'm just not comfortable. And that's maybe more of a personal conviction. But I, I agree with you, though. All right, so but then what about, I, go ahead. I just want to uh, walk through this like thought process I have. So, a man has an affair, gets divorced, walks away from the woman he had an affair with. Years go by, gets remarried to another woman, right? A new woman outside of this outside of this entanglement, as uh, the Smith family would like to it right this entanglement uh, but then we have in this scenario a man who has an affair and marries the woman he had an affair with is that marriage does god ordain that and so are we saying that god reconciled their behavior that caused a divorce of that first union right let no man woman separate right what i have brought together and now he's married to the woman he had an affair with. And now he's leading a church. There's a guy her. out there right now that's doing that. Tertullian, uh, Tertullian. I forget what his last name is. It's a weird Russian last name. He's a pastor that divorced his wife, married his secretary that he was having an affair with. And he's out there currently pastoring a church right now. Yeah. Uh, so, absolutely so here, disqualified. Here, here, here's what I'm, I'm thinking. Because, because, um, Listen, to you, Logan. Like you're, you're really, you're really hung up on this idea of, of is God blessing this marriage? Yeah, So the question is, can God redeem that marriage? Has God redeemed the brokenness of that first union in the second marriage? And obviously, well, guess, we see that the fruitfulness of this marriage is that there's been faithfulness, right? There's been faithfulness since that, that adultery, since that stepping out. Right. There's he's been faithful to this one woman. So 
did God love the fact that he left his wife? He committed adultery on his first wife and walked away. No, but does that mean that he's he living ha- in but he, sin? But he hated it. Yeah, he definitely hated it. He definitely hated it. But can he redeem it? Has he redeemed oh, it? Oh, yeah, he can redeem anything, right? <clears throat> Yeah, but I, I, are they qualified? Do they remain qualified? Yeah. It can be redeemed, but do they remain qualified to lead and, and elder a church or pastor I get, a church? I, I get the messiness of it. and People make decisions based on, based on messiness. But don't you think a repentant heart for both of them would be to walk away from each other and say, you know what? Based on what we did together, we breaking up two marriages, we cannot be together. We should walk away from each other forever. We no longer allowed to be together based on how we came together. That, that that's so. that's that for me sounds like a repented heart that says, you know what, I love God more than I love you. Well, let I me ask God. you this: if, if you, you know, I, I think I already know the answer. But if it's, let's say, it's two homosexual men, I know that they're not going to be qualified to be a pastor. But let's just, for the example of of uh, of redemption, or when it comes to like, say, one of them, uh, they're in a marriage, two men. They get married. One of them becomes uh, saved. Is it? Uh, should they remain in that marriage? No. No, obviously not. That's, right. That's. But that's. But it's. But what? But I just I, I, I it's different in the fact that it's not a, it's not a God ordained marriage to begin with. Okay, that's right? fair. I'll give you that. It's not a God. God doesn't consider it to be marriage. I'll agree with that. But so, so if that um, is not a God ordained marriage. Isn't this not a God ordained marriage? I don't know what what when you asked him what did he say? Oh, bad. I, when you asked God what did he say? <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks, bro. <laughs> let me let's no, just I, keep going to scripture about it. Let's so, try to figure out like what I think, is marriage? I think he, he, what here's is the, the thing? Because his allegiance is still to his first wife, right? Like, so if I if I if I divorce my wife, my wife is considered. You know, she she commits adultery the next time she falls into the hands of another man because I'm still alive, right? If you take the hard stance that no divorce is permissible, which I happen to take, but I know not everybody sees eye to eye with me on that one. Yeah, it's messy, um, and I get it's hard. I, I understand that, and I I see your point, Josh. I I will not ever say that God cannot redeem this, but I'm I'm asking, will he? Right. Like, I mean, you look at the character of God and would he? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's a good question. But let's, even then though, okay. Even, I love this podcast, man. (laughs) Even then though, let's say God does redeem the marriage, right? Mm -hmm. Has or has. And he, let's say he has redeemed this marriage. It, It would be a far greater example for that person um to to step away from pastoral roles and use it as an example of him submitting description saying you know what i am not a man of one wife right regardless if it's about polygamy or not it's setting an example a husband of one wife deacons a husband of one wife both of them have the same qualification right yeah I think I think true repentance is him saying, I'm not allowed to be a pastor anymore. I'll help in ministry. I will serve my church. I will I will guide the pastor if he ever asks me for help, but I will not take that pulpit anymore. I will not remember pastors are more than just preachers, right? Pastors 
shepherd flocks, right? They, they are at bedsides. They are at funerals, at marriages. They counsel. This man has to counsel married people. How? By telling them, Hey, I screwed up and I committed adultery and now I'm doing better. And I learned from it. I don't know what the, I don't, from what the, the people in this hypothetical scenario have said is that there, there was a lot of messiness in the first marriage on both parts. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but that's more of a reason to pray and come together as a married couple and submit yourselves to God and have him reckon, like redeem your marriage, your, your yeah. marriage, right. Versus going and spending time with other people outside of it. <laughs> but so I think, I think one of the questions we have to ask, and we have to think about too, is the difference between could or should. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so could a man who is divorced and remarried, could he get back into the ministry? Could he versus should he, right? Should he, obviously he could, he's got, he's got some modicum of, of, of free will that God has allowed him. We can get in that conversation if we want to. But anyway, he's got he's got some trigger. Say free will. He's got he's got at least some decisions that he can make, right? At least right. in some sort of capacity. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But should he? Right? I mean, I, I think that that's that's the reality. I don't think he should. But I don't know if I'm going to. I don't know if I can without Say knowing everybody can't. and every you can't. Right, right, right. Because then I think about somebody like, let's say, uh, what was his name? Since we're we're gonna name drop, what was his name? Perry Noble is that that the guy from South Carolina? Um, I recognize who was that an name. alcoholic who 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 stepped out of the ministry because he was a drunkard, mm. right? He he stepped out of the pulpit and stepped out of the pastoral role because he was a a drunkard. Who's what's going on over here? Oh, I got yeah. a gift. I just uh, wanted to say thank you. Oh, anyway, so he steps out of the ministry. He didn't get one, so he, be quiet. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. Well, he uh, got, oh, I got ten. He got five. <laughs> I got yeah, more gifts. Well, I, I got ten now. <laughs> ah, uh, got, anyway, uh, well, darn. <laughs> anyway, what I'm saying is, can he step back into ministry? Is he eternally de- disqualified? Versus should he? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, right? gosh, that's a that's a good one too. I mean, if he's working a program. Um, I mean, I, Hey, look, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I quit, uh, I quit drinking three years ago. Um, I understand the struggle behind that. Um, even as an alcoholic, I mean, I wasn't serving in, I wasn't serving in a capacity at the time while, when I was really struggling, but, uh, um, I know that that, I mean, I feel, I, I believe that I'm redeemed from that. Uh, so yeah. I, I would have to extend the same grace. I feel like I would have to extend the same grace to a guy like Perry Noble. I, yeah, I do remember him, actually. I do. I remember now that we've talked. I hadn't thought of him in a long time. But, uh, yeah, I, I would say in that case, he could be redeemed if he's open. Well, look look at comedian John Christ. Like, we're talking about, like... Oh, yeah, people just kind of gloss over what he did, right? I, I, I heard, like, a one story. What did John do? Well, he's not a pastor, but he was he was messing around with with some girls that were not his wife. Now he was, I, as far as I know, he was having communications with them, uh, and he has repented. All right, John has repented. 
Um, and uh, apparently he's he's moved forward. He's admitted his flaws, but it was when it was during the rise of his social media fame that he got caught up in some uh, inappropriate uh, text messages and relationships with some girls. Um, so, you know, that's uh, there's another guy, too, that I remember. Uh, I mean, gosh, I, I do feel bad for name dropping now. <laughs> like all this name dropping. I'm like, oh, boy. Well, I'm sorry, Lord. Um, you know, but, uh, is, it, is it fair to blame like we, you, all three of us, every man in this country is to blame for their actions. They are responsible for what they view. They are responsible for the conversations mm-hmm. they have. Right. And they're also responsible to their spouse, right. At the same time, um, if they have one, but our culture breeds sex like in every yeah. way, right. Like it is constantly in our view. Right. I, I don't want to get on the whole uh, sex, um, gender confusion thing, but like my daughter was watching a show the other day and I just happened to watch, like walk past it as she was watching it. And it was about these animals that one, she didn't want to wear a dress because she wanted to wear a suit. Right. And they, they, everybody was confused why she wanted to wear a suit. And they were like happy that she wanted to wear a suit instead of a dress to the, to the dance. Um, clearly giving like this undertone of like, you can just be whatever you want. Um, right. So it's, it's constantly thrown at us and we we're responsible for of you, but at the same time we get subliminal messaging all the time that lead and confuse our minds. I'm not, I'm not giving us an excuse. I am, I am just saying that just be careful. Absolutely. Especially no, with the, I, I his think, rise to that's, fame. That, that's one of the things that, 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 that's why I hit it so so hard at the beginning is that like, especially pastors and elders, overseers, whatever you want to call us, right? We have to be doubly on guard, right? We have to be doubly ready to to stand firm on the word. We have to make sure that that we are guarding our hearts consistently. And I'm not saying that that people like the regular the regular people aren't supposed to do that as well, but like we hold a position that that can lead a lot of people astray. I mean, you think about all the, all the deconstructionists, right? We were kind of talking about that a little bit earlier, all these mm-hmm. deconstructionists, like a lot of them are leaving because of the corruption within the church, right? They're, they're, yeah. Now, whether they were saved or weren't saved or wh- whatever, like, I mean, the, the example of the people within the church has marred the name of Christ, at least minutely in some way, right? To some people. And so we have to be like really careful about how we live this, live this life. And, and, and we're called to be above calling. reproach, above reproach. Yeah. So, so let me ask you this. Let's, let's go back to this, this idea. All right. So your boy, um, Logan, Mr. Uh, John MacArthur has recently been accused of plagiarizing some of his material <gasps> from the Bible. <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> Well, some of his books and stuff, right? He's he's been accused of plagiarizing what? some of his books and stuff. So, if that's the case, this is a respectable man who's been in the ministry for a long time. Does this now disqualify him if these allegations are true? Does this now disqualify him because he is not above reproach, right? Because he is not um, respectable, because he might be thought less of by outsiders, right? And so, this is a guy yeah. that we. We know and we love, and he's he's been a pastor for at Grace Community for what forty five years or so, but now it's his name Mard, huh? Forty three years, yeah, 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 something like that. Um, yeah. So uh, these are alleged 
right? It's a it's alleged, right? <laughs> I'm just saying allegedly, like, like yeah. Ravi Zacharias alleged, or oh. like no, I'm just <laughs> no. Well, so it looks like Harper Collins apologizes for some quote unquote editorial mistakes in some of John Piper's or not John Piper, John MacArthur's books. That's what one of the things that it looks like. But this was a former master seminary vice president that came out and said, I wrote this and mm. now it's in John MacArthur's book and I'm not getting credit for it. Right. I mean, you and know, he's got, he's got the receipts to back it up because it was published before. Yeah. That's, MacArthur got it. That's hard, man. I mean, look, plagiarism's not cool. It, it's not. Uh, but I, I, I kind of sympathize in that in some respects because if you, if you are consuming so much information all the time, uh, it can be very, very difficult to know. I think even for me, at some point, like I don't remember who said what. I just remember it was said. And sometimes like I may be just doing like a, a regular old teaching on something and I'm like, oh, yeah, I heard this and it's blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden it could have been somebody else's words that I didn't remember. Uh, so I think that there there can be grace for that. Like, I I don't know. There could be grace for that. Like, wouldn't wouldn't the right response be if it was true or even if it was a mistake, wouldn't the right response for MacArthur to be like, yeah, you know, maybe I did. And I'm going to go back and get the next prints of these books will be printed and published with that person as getting the credit for it or some sort of a footnote or some sort of a public statement to say, look, it wasn't intentional that I stole it. However, I can definitely see where the, you know, it was inspired by this person. And I don't know, I'm I'm trying to, to be defensive, but at the same time, I don't know all the story. So, yeah, I, I'm just saying that, yeah. There, there's a call for us to be intellectually consistent with with these violations with, this, with of the, Timothy three with right? what the scripture says. Yeah, yeah. Um, must be above so, reproach. Must be above reproach, right? Um, and so, as much as I love John MacArthur, like I'm not saying that he did it intentionally. He probably doesn't even write most of his books. He probably has a ghostwriter, right? I mean, let, let's be honest. Like, let's just say. Um, How dare but anyway, you. I know, dare right? You, sir. Um, he's too busy writing sermons, right? And, and, and all that stuff. Anyway, hey, the Bible was ghost written, so the Holy Ghost, <laughs> Holy <written>. Ghost written. <laughs> Gosh, got to save Logan from blasphemy again on this podcast. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> but no, I just I, I think Lord. that sometimes sometimes we can see the messy messy situations, right? Yeah. And we want to jump to conclusions yeah. way before we should. Now, getting back to the original question, this guy should not be a pastor. I don't believe he should. Um, I, I believe that he he I wouldn't go to his church if that was if I knew all that information. One, because he's not above reproach. Right. I mean, he's he's obviously got some mess in his in his life so it's not necessarily for me i mean it is it is this but it's not just this it's not the, just the adultery and the divorce and the remarriage it's also the fact that i couldn't respect him because of that yeah right he's not he's not above reproach in that in that in that i in that respect um and so i don't know i mean what other questions do you guys have I want to you, talk. What are your thoughts? I want to talk more about the children part of this instruction in First uh, mm. Timothy three. 
Uh, Logan and I actually had a very quick conversation regarding the, the children piece, but uh, it is very interesting that that in Timothy's instructions uh, say he must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. So mm-hmm. let's, you know, and, and here's the thing I want to say about the gossip. I feel like the Lord just gave me a little bit of, of wisdom on this. These people live public ministries and public lives. Uh, they are open to public scrutiny and we should, as, as people who have access to their work and have access to the, the content that they produce, we should have a right to uh, have a, have an opinion on it because they live, right. they're public, you know, they are professing Christ publicly. So uh, in some sense, I can, I know it can feel like gossip and, and name dropping, but these are people that are publicly proclaiming the name of Jesus and they have had public downfalls or public accusations. So we need to talk about that and not be afraid to address those things publicly. So um, I'm thinking about John Piper and Abraham Piper. Mm. Is Abraham Piper reason for John to be disqualified? And why not? Why or why not? <laughs> and why that, not? That's a good question. <laughs> but yeah. I think, uh, I think desi- specifically. Go ahead, Logan. I was going to say Desiring God. Uh, this question actually comes to John Piper. If you guys want to go check it out on YouTube and you'll see his response to this. Uh, and uh, he. Yeah, I'm just going to leave with that. Y'all can listen to his response. Yeah, I want to hear what Josh has to say. Well, so I think I'm doing some quick, quick study real quick, but I'm specifically thinking that this, this, here's the thing in in our, or in their culture, especially the, the Jews who would be converted, right? Which is who, who Paul's talking to Gentiles, Jews, that culture, a child becomes a man or a boy becomes a man at the age of 13, right? Mm. So now they are responsible for their own decisions so up until that point at 13 years old like you need to make sure that you're you're not being slothful and lazy in your house right obviously children are going to be messy (laughs) they're going to be children in fact it's funny because we just had a little social event last night at church and and uh my kid was acting one of my kids was acting a fool and one of my uh new members he goes hey josh shouldn't you have that kid under control i was like i guess i'm disqualified i'm i might as well (laughs) go ahead and just resign right now Right. But but the reality is, is that kids are going to be kids. Right. And they're going to have issues and they're going to be difficult and they're going to be defiant. But the overarching thing is, is your kid, when push comes to shove, going to obey you or are Mm. they going to consistently push back against you? Now, after they're adults. Right. Which in our culture is um, 25, um, 30 sometimes nowadays, 30 sometimes says Um, insurance. Um, but anyway, once they're an adult and they are responsible for their own decisions, like I, I'm going to wash my hands of them and be like, look, I want the best for you and I want to give you guidance and I want to give you help. But at that point, like you, you are your own person, right? You get, you are no longer under the thumb of mommy and daddy. You get to make your decisions. So I know, I don't think that Abraham Piper disqualifies John Piper, but right. I do believe that um, a pastor should be ruling his house in an organized, loving, kind, compassionate, and holy manner, right? Now, whether your children end up being followers of Jesus when they're older, that's not up to you to begin with, right? And so um, as long as you're living out the gospel in your life and you're being intentional, because the other thing is a lot of these these people in these in the first century, they weren't being intentional with their children. 
right? They were just letting their children do whatever they wanted to do. Hmm. And so they weren't like, the, the fathers weren't really involved in the lives of the kids. And we see that today. I mean, there are there are pastors who don't know their kids. There are evangelists that I've hear, heard, they're traveling the nation, and they're like, I'll miss every football game and every basketball game and every baseball game to come preach the gospel. And I'm like, you, you've you missed the point. Yeah, you've missed your yeah, ministry right? completely at that you, point. You've missed your ministry completely. Wow. And I'm yeah. like, you know, if you're not intentionally diving into and raising your children to know the Lord, whether they end up knowing the Lord or not, right? Right. If you're not intentionally doing it, then it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't right. matter. Like your first ministry as a pastor is your family. Your first ministry, yeah, like your number one priority is not the people in the flock. Your number one priority is the people God has given you as your yeah. family. Um, and so too often we forget that too often we get so bogged down in the day-to-day life of the ministry that we completely forget that what we're called to do is to love our family. Um, do we do ministry? Do we love the, the congregation? Absolutely. But we do not sacrifice our family for those, the, that congregation. Yeah. I so, had a, Oh, go ahead, Logan. Uh, so just, there, there were children in the first in this hypothetical story. There's children in the first marriage, on both sides. There's wounds that still haven't been healed. Does that? I guess he's not above reproach. Then, no. Like, it, I mean, the, the sin, the sins of our parents, oftentimes, you know, generational curses and whatnot. So, your sin has consequences, has effects. Yeah, I mean, the reality is, is is we have to remember that our sin influences other people. Like our sin is not just going to affect us, it's going to affect those around us. And unfortunately, yeah, that, that family was destroyed because of this man's intention, because of this man's decision. And yeah, I mean, it's horrible. I, my parents got divorced when I was younger, and it was a miserable existence Same. for yep. about five years, right? Yeah. I still, dude, I still have demons from that. There's still, there are still things that, that haunt me from my parents. Same. Same. Yeah. And I'm, I'm 42, man. I mean, I've <laughs> gone through therapy and I've, even with kids of my own, you know, I still, uh, divorce is nasty. It's so, it's, there, there is a reason that God hates it. It, it really is so yeah. destructive. It is just bad. Yeah. So, so I, can I, I just, so maybe we're not going to have an answer because, you know, obviously, like Thomas says in the comments, like if God has qualified somebody, who are we to say that, you know, yeah. right. It really I, goes- I agree with that. I, I agree. He redeems us, but here we are saying that he could be yet. We wouldn't go attend his church. So this goes, so this, now we have, we have a, now that we have this knowledge, right. We have uh we have a tool in our toolbox that we didn't previously have. And so as a believer, very, very much like what Josh said earlier, I wouldn't be drawn to a church like that uh, because of that past, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, indiscretion, sin, however, uh, I wouldn't be drawn to it. So, so because, because of what I know about scripture, I would have a hard time falling under the authority of a person who has yeah. violated some of this. And in addition to that, there's a personal responsibility, not only as a, as a, uh, a congregant, but as a pastor, if you are truly look, if it's me 
And, and I'm looking at this and I'm the one that's gone through the divorce and I'm the one that's had the adulterous affair or so on and so forth. I have to ask myself, God, am I qualified? And it's, it's only for the Lord. This is, this is a personal, this is a personal descriptive thing for us to have as a tool in our toolbox in discerning what we should be doing in relation to others and the Lord. Right. I mean, this it's this is yeah. more about me knowing. So not only for me, if I get called into that position and I do, uh, but when it comes to holding those people accountable and and who would be a good spiritual authority to fall under, I would say that this, these some of these people would not be good spiritual authorities for me to submit myself and my family to. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess there's a practical element to it that it's like, hey, although you could and God has redeemed everything and everything is, you know, made right. Practically it just doesn't work. Right. And that's why I was saying, I think that person right. should submit to scripture and say, you know what? I'm no longer able to be up there because that, that has tainted my previous my previous example, right? My previous yeah. role as a shepherd. I, Cause it's not just like, so let me ask anybody, you this. Yeah. In this hypothetical situation, are there any other elders of the church or is he like the guy? Currently? Yeah. Hypothetically. <laughs> hypothetically. Hi currently, hypothetically, let's say it's an independent fundamental Baptist church and there's only really just the pastor. The pastor? Uh, yeah. So first off, that's not even really a biblical model. Um, mm -hmm. Right? Like he needs it's people not. to help hold him accountable hypothetically no honestly like my church right now we've only got one elder but like we're in this rebuilding mode anyway but the reality is is like you know who's y'all's elder we're writing this that would be me oh god <laughs> i'm kidding do you have deacons though do you have any deacons that you're well, i i do no, have it's... a couple of deacons but i do need some more deacons. like I'm, that's one of the things i'm working on right now when i in my well when i get it get around to it is, is getting some more qualified deacons um I mean, let me tell you, when I got to this church, there were like eight people coming to this church and they were mm -hmm. old um, and I love them. And a lot of them, most of them are still coming. But um, but we've been growing some like this past Sunday. We had like 40 people, which is that's you know, awesome, man. Great. Um, yeah. So, I mean, God's doing God's doing some work here. And so we're in that process of 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 redefining and reshowing out, you know, or re redefining the church, not the church. Well, yeah, kind of. Rebuilding the church uh, our, in the name of God. So. Our church has been growing uh, a lot too since we've been going. Um, it it's was all because pretty, of you, Drew. I don't think so. Um, <laughs> uh, I I think well, I think COVID was a played a big role because mm -hmm. we started going like right towards the second lockdown, um, mm -hmm. and that that played a big part of it too. With you know, but I've seen a lot of growth, a lot of younger people. I did want to say this yeah. is a testimony, and I'd like to share this with you guys. So, I've I you know, we I've expressed already you know some of my frustrations and concerns about uh, my role in the church and and desperately wanting to be in in a role of of, of eldership, pastorship, uh, discipling people, teaching, preaching. I want to do all of it. Uh, I have such a strong desire to do it. Um, I did lead worship last Sunday. Uh, for the first time, which was a, it was, it was a, it was a true, really, truly a blessing. Uh, but I, I got invited to the elder prayer 
at uh, so our pastor and the elders get together before every service and they pray together before the service. And I got invited to the elder prayer and I didn't get uninvited this week. So I went anyway <laughs> because I'm like, well, I'll just That's go awesome. and see if like if he has a problem with me being here because I just want to. I'm trying not to <laughs> insert myself into too much, but like. I just, I desire it, man. I, I, I have such a strong desire yeah. to be a part of this and to, to, to uh, be in accountability and agreement and unity with my brothers. You know, these are my older brothers in Christ too. Um, yeah. But I will say the Lord has kept me quiet for a while in relation. Like when we first started going to the church, I told the pastor, I said, look, I, I, I do believe that God has called me into ministry. I have a passion and love for the word. And I kind of left it at that. We had a good conversation. He gave me a book to read. I read the book. We, we've kind of talked throughout. Um, but uh, I've the Lord has kept me quiet. I've, there's been a couple times that I've wanted to go to say to my pastor, like, hey, look, I have a couple, like, I've got some sermons prepared. I've, I've got a message. Uh, but I felt like the Lord allowed me to do that this last Sunday. And I, I went up to him and I said, hey, Tom, I just want to let you know, like, I've been really in, in scripture. I've got a few sermons. I like, I'm prepared. You know, I know you want to retire. He's 70, he's 75. I mean, he wants to retire. He actually planned to retire, came out of retirement in order to start this church. Cause he felt like the Lord told him to do it. And so wow. it's like, he's in this position. And so I actually had the boldness because he said to me, he said, you know, I really, I, I really am hoping to build up and have a rotation of preachers. Cause I really do want to retire. And I said, Tom, I think that this is why God has brought me to this church. And I just left it at that. But he did he did not respond negatively at all. In fact, he said he's going to start working with me and get me into a preaching rotation at the church. That's so awesome. it is a big blessing, man. It's almost too hard to believe. So it's like I don't want to like put I'm not putting any eggs in any baskets. I'm just gonna do what God tells me to do. But well, here's uh, an egg you can put in a basket. If you ever want to come down to South Texas, you can preach for me, Drew. Oh, I well, now you I'm too, Logan. South Texas. There Come you go, on, Logan. That's you all. Too, that's all it took to get no. you to move. Like I've been asking you to move for. <laughs> Y'all well, just no, move to Texas, I'll man. Go that's where live anyway. I'll just go visit. I'll just go visit. Like I'll be like, dude, I really need to preach. I'm going to be down there. I'm driving this week, so I'll see you. <laughs> but it, uh, that's awesome, man. I appreciate that. And uh, I, you know, maybe one of these days. Well, if you know, here's the thing. We may not do it here on Earth, but we will have a group of dudes together in heaven and we'll just Amen. talk about Jesus together. We'll talk about these times that we did the podcast and how wrong we were about everything. <laughs> about we didn't everything. understand it. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be great. South Texas is way hotter than South Alaska. Those are facts. Absolutely. <laughs> Those are facts, especially right now, man. It's hot. Yeah. It's hot in Missouri, bro. So question you, you inform this pastor that you want to, uh, a formal role and he hands you a book what did he hand you um it is called hang on do i have it here uh, yeah here i have it here it is called the making of a leader by dr j robert clinton um and it is it is far more of a practical guide to like sifting out like sifting through and sorting through like some of the some of your stronger gifts um and in order for you to have to to just kind of get some focus 
Um, yeah. He is a uh, assistant professor of leadership and an extension at the School of World Mission Fuller Theological Seminary. Um, I don't know much about him. I will say my church is not reformed. Uh, however, uh, they are not anti-reformed. So that's always a good start. Yeah, I did have an interview with, uh, we toured a church this Sunday. Dude, so this this church in our town is kind of bigger. Um, and uh, <laughs> I already have kind of like a, a distaste for the church just by like, just the obvious wealth, right? And like, I was trying to like calm my own heart and just be like, hey, don't, don't make a big deal about that. Because there's mega churches that have solid preaching going on, right? Sure. Uh, they also have several elders helping manage all these people. Um, but I go into the bathroom and I look up from the urinal in front of me and it's uh, a poster that shows the Trinity and in detail and explaining it and then explaining heresies that have like happened throughout history, modalism, partialism. Oh, you're peeing? Yeah. Yeah. It's right there in front of you. And I, I would totally over, read that. I would see more. Often yeah, I would see. Exactly. So, so <laughs> I drink more water so, just to go. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I finished reading this poster and I look over to my left and there's the apostles creed. And I look over to my right and it's the five solas in this men's. Wow. Room. And I was like, that changed everything for me. So I walk That's out awesome, and I'm like, man. all right, now I'm ready to listen. Right. So it helped me That's get nice. out of my own way. That bathroom's more uh, theologically informed than most of the congregants in most churches, right? Definitely more um, than Joel Osteen's church. <laughs> but because I've been touring all these churches in town, and it's just it's just been it's just been a lot. So I've just been guarding my heart every time I go to a place. But they called me today, and I immediately told them, "I'm like, hey, I'm looking to serve in a formal capacity. I'm not trying to get a paid role or anything like that. But I don't. Hmm. I want to be discipled and mentored." Uh, to eventually do what you're doing. Um, and if that's not something y'all are interested in, if that's not something y'all do, that's fine. I'm going to go find a church that does. Um, so he was like, hey, I'd like to meet with you Thursday. We'd love to just sit down. That's talk. awesome, man. Right. That's good. Like you the, the lead pastor is like an African. Really impressed. <laughs> He's like, I got 35 follower followers. Yeah. <laughs> 37. Thank you. I've been doing political stuff. Okay. I'm drawing in, you. drawing in the goats. Yeah, oh. I'm just kidding. I, I'm kidding. Good. I, was that an indictment on me? I feel like <laughs> no. Towards me. <laughs> no. I literally <laughs> have done some political stuff. That was That's not good. an indictment. Okay, I'm just checking. Uh, Reform perspective says: Is it wisdom on the part of a pastor to test the heart of any man? who desires to be in a formal role. Yes. Uh, it is wisdom. Sorry, he didn't. He wasn't asking a question. He was saying it is wisdom. <laughs> Submit to the pastor's leadership. Be humble and serve with all your heart. Amen. Uh, what do you guys think when it comes to, let's say, Josh, as you're a pastor, so if somebody like Logan, you don't know, all right, you don't know him, he comes to your church and he expresses the things that he just said, that he expressed to this yeah. church. Talk about how do you, as a pastor, biblically, um, what are what are your obligations? What what should you do? What should be a good pastoral response to that? Yeah, I should. That's a good myself, question, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the reality is anybody could like, walk in and be like, "I got a gift." Yeah, anybody, right? Yeah. Well, and, and so <laughs> I'm I'm looking at your case, Drew. The 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 first thing that this this pastor, would you say his name was Tom? Tom, yeah, that's his name. Yeah. Yep. So the first thing he did is he gives you a book and he says, "Read this book," right? And I'm not saying that's the best thing to do, but I am saying that he's trying to gauge your actual commitment to this, 
right? Yeah. Are you actually going to read this book? Are you actually going to listen to what I have to say, whether the book's good, bad, or indifferent, right? I mean, Absolutely. he just wants to know yep. if what you're saying, are you saying this? And this goes back to what we were talking about in first Peter uh, five earlier is like, we have to understand like, what is the intention behind your desire to preach or to be in ministry or to lead some kind of team? What is the intention behind that? Because the intention behind that is just to, to promote you. Right. Right. If that's the intention, then no, it's not going to happen. But the only way that I, the only way that I can understand that is by having conversations. Right. And, and knowing that letting you know up front, like I understand your desire and I understand your, your want to, right. But you're going to take some time. Like we're going to take this slow. I want to get to know you. I want to get to know some of your theological positions. I want to give you, I would love nothing more. I'll be honest. I would love nothing more than for somebody like that to walk into my church. Aww. Right. I would love nothing more than I that. Keep going to the wrong one, places. <laughs> <laughs> because it gives it gives me an opportunity to to pour into somebody individually yeah. and, and train them up. And the reality is it's like as we're we're building as we're following God along on this journey of of building his church, like the best thing to do is to have people there who want to continue to be there. Right. So like if something happens to me, if I've got an elder who can fill that gap, if I'm gone. Right. That's always a better thing than just there to be a vacuum, to be a void, to be something that somebody who, you know, just yeah. to, to have a lack of leadership. But, yeah, no, I mean, if somebody came to me and said that, I would be like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to meet once a week. Right. We're going to meet once a week for, you know, an hour or so, 30 minutes to an hour. And we're just going to we're just going to have lunch we're going to hang out i want to see your character right because character is the most important thing we've already established this yeah like like i can teach you i can teach you to teach right i mean that's something that i can teach you to do i can teach you to to write out a manuscript you may not be the most engaging or charismatic person but i can teach you to teach i can't teach you to have character yeah right Mm. and so if you don't if you have the ability but you don't have the character then i don't want you in that position Right. But if you have the character and you don't yet have the ability, we can work on building the ability. And so I want to get to know you as a person. I want to get to know your family, not just you. I want to know your your wife and your kids. And like, I want to see your interaction with them. And I'm not going to judge you when you have to yell at your son because he's not listening to you, because guess what? That probably just happened to me. Right. But but knowing knowing that that you have that desire in that heart. I mean, that is that is that's that's what the church should look like anyway. And so just getting to know them, giving them tools, um, encouraging them to, to learn more and not solely rely on me. I mean, obviously I would be a tool in the toolbox, but not solely rely on me to accomplish um, and get all their information from. Does that make sense? And so just giving them an opportunity. So how far does that go? Does it just, does it end with you or does it go to the deacons as well? And he needs That's to a good question. prove himself to the next people. Cause he's I, I, to the whole congregation, I guess he's now, he, he, he's a visitor, then he becomes a member and he's proving himself in his interactions. Yeah. But I guess in, he's proving himself in a different way to the, the elders and deacons of the church. I imagine. Yeah. I think, I think the reality is, is that the elders or the elder in this case, right. Myself, I'm the gatekeeper when it comes to that. And so mm. it's going to start with You're me. protecting your right? flock. 
I'm protecting Amen. the flock, right? Yeah. That, that's kind mm-hmm. of, that. that's what I'm doing. So I'm laying the boundary that after I get to know him for a few weeks, a couple months or whatnot, and I feel like he's pretty comfortable, then I'm going to introduce him to the, the key people in the church and have them get to know him, right? Yeah. Um, and so, so it's going to be building. Like, I'm not just going to one day say, all right, well, this guy's now an elder. Um, y'all have to deal with it, right? That, that's just not the way that it's going to work. Yeah. And so there's a process in it that you get to know me. I get to know you. We get to know each other. We get to build a a foundation, a relationship with one another. And then obviously, as you're coming to church, as you're serving, are you willing to serve in the menial tasks? If you're not willing to fold chairs and put them away, then you're not fit to preach. Right. Right. If you're not willing to serve in the nursery, you're not willing to or you're not fit to serve in another capacity. Right. Uh, Of more authority. So, you know, you're gauging humility, you're gauging the their desire, you're gauging all these things. And you, you've kind of got a running tally in your mind saying this guy and it won't take very long to see if this guy's actually authentic. Right. Sure. It's not going to it's mm-hmm. going to it's going to be, you know, you ask him to do something that is absolutely miserable that nobody wants to do. And is he going to do it saying, all right, let's go, you know, or is he going to be like, ah, I'm above this. Right. Um, so it's that type of stuff. I, I don't know if that really answers your question, but that's the way I'm looking at it. So First uh, uh, Timothy three ten, right? So it says, and let and it's talking about the qualifications of deacons, um, and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove if themselves they prove blameless. Mm. So it, there is this process of we we don't just let wolves come into our into yeah. our flock right so we have to gauge that it's a protection of uh, our our local body of believers right absolutely yeah my I, church the church that i was at in washington they had a they essentially during the they would do uh once a quarter church like uh evening church dinner and they would invite you know all the members to come and then um they had uh they would introduce the next uh, basically elder in training, uh, they would say, Hey, look, you know, we've, this man has been a, a faithful part of the church for this amount of time. His family is great. Uh, we, as the church uh, would like to, uh, bring him in as an elder in training. And, uh, we're going to do this as the pastors. And then the, the whole church it's presented to the whole church. So they all get to hear. And I do believe if I'm not mistaken, they actually would ask, does anyone object to this? They would ask the mm-hmm. entire body, does anyone have any objections, any reason that so-and-so should not begin this process of eldership? Uh, and I, I felt like that was a very proper, very uh, honorable way to do it with the church. Yeah. I, I, I agree. Oh, okay. And I think I think it's um, one of the churches I know. I think it's Village Church up there in Dallas that they have, they present people to be elders and the congregation, right? Their congregation of 10,000 has like 30 days to bring forth some sort of complaint or whatever, disqualification or whatever, so that they can, they can examine it for themselves. That makes sense. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting because being a part of a, of the Southern Baptist uh, convention and, and that convention of churches, right? Like, the way that we choose pastors is mind-boggling to me. Um, I mean, I I love it because I'm a part of it um, and I've benefited from it. But the fact that a pastor leaves a church and then this group of five to ten people get together to 
look through resumes and have a couple of interviews with a guy and say, that's the guy that I want to come and, and serve at the church. And then they bring him forth and he preaches a sermon and then the church votes on him to be the pastor of that church. Like, you know, it's basically committing to marriage on a first date. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so, you know, when we look at this, so I was having this conversation about eldership with some of my congregation and we read through first Timothy three, one, uh, one through seven. And one of the older guys who's, who's newer to our church, he asked this, he asked me this question. He goes, how do you did, how do you know that about somebody, especially in the way that we get pastors to come in? How do you know that, that the pastor meets those qualifications? And, you know, really the only way that you know that is by uh, contacting the, the uh, what are they called? The referrals on the, the resume. And yeah. then you got you those got are people they've guys. already given you. They're they're those and they're the people that already. have already been pre-screened, yeah. right? You've already pre-screened them, <laughs> right? And and I told them like the reality is the way the church is designed is that you are raising leaders up from the inside. You should be absolutely right? yes. And and you're raising up these elders, and over the course of raising them and training them and teaching them, you get to see if they fall into Amen. these categories, these Amen. characteristic categories, yeah. and and so. That's the way the church should be, right? Um, unfortunately, that's not the way that many churches operate. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm a beneficiary of the system that we have, but I, that does not mean that I don't see that the system is broken. I heard right? that all you had to do to get into the SBC was to write a book called Your Purpose Driven Life. <laughs> that's if you want to have a gigantic church oh, okay. Right? Uh, okay. in the middle of California <laughs> and uh, lead millions and train millions of um of pastors around the yes, world. Yes. If you want to do that, then you can. Saddleback. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, so so just just so the audience knows the the stuff that came out about the SBC and the 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 just the cover-ups of different um, things that were going on kind of kind of provoked this thought process of this this hypothetical and just this idea of you know what what disqualifies a pastor what does that look like and how how do we submit to scripture throughout all of this well so if just... anything look at look i hope the people out there listen and, and hear these qualifications i mean you can hold you can hold your current church leadership to this test this is the bible this isn't like Absolutely. us coming up with a group of, or like a a bunch of cool things to make for a pastor like this is scripture Absolutely. and you should as a congregant, you have every right to know what the qualifications are. And if your leadership, your elders, your deacons are not following these qualifications, you you need you have a, a Christian obligation to speak up. Yeah. And, and I think that's part of the thing is, is, is these men who have um, disqualified themselves would be ousted if people actually knew what the qualifications of a leader would be. Right. Of a pastor. There you go. Yeah. Um, and again, that goes back to the could, should type thing. Like if the if the congregation was actually knowledgeable about the, about what the scripture says when it comes to these qualifications, then they probably would not be part of that congregation anymore. Right? That's true. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, because I know this, because I've read this, because I I know what God expects. Like that's why I say I would never, I would probably not be a part of a congregation. Yeah, that a man had fallen into these types of things. Yeah, same, same yeah. with me. I agree. So. Agreed. 
Um, I guess, do we want to take a few questions? Uh, yeah, that sounds great. Let's, uh, if you guys got questions on TikTok uh, or on YouTube live, send your questions in now. We'll take the next 10 ish minutes or so to answer, give you some perspectives. Uh, but uh, we'd love to hear your questions out there. We got 12 people watching on, on the Tiki Talks and four on YouTube. So somebody's got a good question. What, we're at four on YouTube? Man. Yeah, well, three now. As soon oh, as I said on. four, one person left. <laughs> did you kick Rissa uh, out? I did. Rissa. I had enough. Her her comment that derailed the whole conversation about my house health. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so good. <laughs> I love that reform perspective. Yes, you need to you need to remind the congregation that they have the right to to challenge you, right? To to say, hey, you're not you're not living up to the expectation that God has laid. Not that you yeah. as a congregation Amen. have laid, but what God has laid. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if your pastor cannot take that, if he cannot um, abide by and listen to what the congregation has to say, he's I believe he's disqualified himself. Like you you are not yeah. exhibiting humility. Right. Yeah, for sure. You, um, you're acting childish if you're not going to listen to what people say. Amen. Drew, highlight that, man. That's good. That's good. That'll be on. That's going on the the greatest hits. <laughs> it's going on the greatest hits. We're getting. We get a lot of greatest hits with Josh. That's. Uh, it brings us the yeah, views. I love you it, know? Yeah. <laughs> So does Elf House Elf. Yes, Collins. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I give them permission to ask my wife any questions and to check on my walk. I wonder, so like there is, it's just messy because there's tons of people interacting and trying to, you know, a bunch of sinners trying to worship a holy and uh, infallible God, right? So, it, yeah, like, and I, Satan is the accuser of brethren, man. So you still have to deal yeah. not only with real accusations, like real actual concerning things, but you also have to sift through all of the devil's accusations. Mm. And those okay. those aren't going to end because Satan hates anything that God is doing. And anytime we exemplify and glorify Christ, Satan hates it. So, yeah. Absolutely. We need to uh, we need to bear. And also, I mean, I just want to I want to say this to uh, to those who are listening when it comes to your pastor. Um, and this is coming kind of from a selfish uh, standpoint. I want you to to be gracious with them, because here, here's the thing. Like as a pastor, most of us don't have anybody else we can talk to. We don't have anybody oh, yeah. else who you're isolated. Who we can yes. open it up feels to. lonely. We're isolated. It feels lonely. Um and you're right. I mean, it does. It feels lonely. It's isolating. Um, and if we're not intentional about building a community around ourselves where we can be um, open and honest, right, then we can we, we struggle with that. And so check on your pastor. Pray for your pastor. <laughs> check on them. Pray for them. Um, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Yeah. You know, and, and I pray for Joel like... Olstein all the time. I really do. <laughs> I, I really do. Pastor. I um, shouldn't be you. your pastor, though. I really hope he's not your pastor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I, I think it's I think it's true. We should be praying for him, and we should be praying for, for um, really Mark Driscoll. We should be praying for all these guys. I mean, all pastors need prayer as much as um, as as anybody, if not more. I mean, they're getting there's a lot of discouragement out there. There's a lot of attacks, right? There's a lot of of struggles, um, and I know that that's not not just pastors, everybody's struggling, everybody's got, you know, problems. But the reality is, is that because, you know, the only other person we really get to talk to is our wife. And a lot of times we don't want to bring that stuff to her. 
right? We don't want to tell her about all the struggles we're having. Yeah, it's a burden for sure. It's a burden for her. So a lot of times pastors just silently carry that stuff. Now I'm blessed in in that I can have, I have a good relationship with, with some of the members of my congregation that I trust. And so if I'm struggling with something, I won't, I don't hesitate to tell them, but not everybody has that. Um, So if you're, if you don't think your pastor has that become that for him. Right. Um, Anyway. And you got us, man. You got us now, now I got Josh. You guys. You're stuck yeah, with us. Absolutely. That's all right. One of the I've nice been stuck uh, in worst places. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I don't know why. Logan's got the giggles tonight. He does have the giggles. Oh. I needed this. A week away from you guys was too long. Yeah, it's been uh it's been an interesting week, man. I've been uh I've been uh doing a lot of different like Bible studies and stuff. Uh on TikTok just to get my fill in. But uh yeah, well let's uh unless we got anything else, you guys want to get close this out and then we can move over to TikTok for a little bit if you want to. If not, I don't care. Uh I was gonna probably stay up for a little while longer. So whatever y'all want to do. I, I'm 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 good to wrap it up. So All right. Logan, you good? Yeah. All right. Josh, you wanna get I know we're gonna put you on the spot, but uh hit us with that got that good gospel, man. The good gospel message, man. Here's the thing. We are sinners separated from a holy God. And um, there is no way for us to bridge the gap from our sinfulness to God's holiness outside of Christ. Christ came. Jesus came. God came in flesh, died, rose again so that we could be reconciled, so that we could be restored. That's the good news of the gospel is that we are broken god wants to make us whole and he does that through jesus's shed blood on the cross and his resurrection um the gospel is for those who want desire to have a relationship with god and god is drawing you he's calling you to him and the reality is is that jesus's sacrifice was amazing and it covers the multitude of sins. There's no sin so great that you, you can't be forgiven. And too often mm-hmm. we think that God wants some kind of future version of ourselves, right? That I'm going to clean myself up and then I'll come to God. But God wants you right here and right now. So give yourself to him. Amen. Amen. And we got living proof right here of God's existence. Amen. None of us know each other. None of us knew each other prior. And it is it is solely the Holy Spirit that has brought the three of us together. Absolutely. Uh, so turn turn to Jesus. We love you guys. It's been a great conversation tonight. Hopefully edifying for everybody. And uh, we're gonna. Can I add uh, something real quick? For yeah, everybody watching. For everybody watching, read read John chapter seventeen. I don't know what something you said, Slater. Just I don't know why that hit. Me hey, you so want to read it real quick? God, God became Go flesh, right? And he gave up that time. Of where he was in glory with the Father and the Spirit, like he, he, he I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um, at some point, he was in unity with himself, and he gives that up for you, yeah. and he becomes flesh. And like in the process, right? So he becomes flesh to the point where you know that 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 everything manifests in the natural world, right? The the cheek that Judas kissed is real and tangible. The ribs that were pierced are real and tangible. The scars that he wore, the beating that he took, the the tears he cried, right? Christ cried three yeah. times in scripture. Like it, it was all 
he gave up John, John chapter 17 to come down for you. Like he, he loves his creation and those who he yeah. is calling and he's drawing you to him. Don't, don't fight that anymore. Amen. Amen. Did you pull it up? In you want front me to read John? Yeah, I've got it right now. I've got yeah. it right now. Go so, so here, here, before I read it, I just want to give the context of what's happening here in John chapter 17. So John chapter 17 is the end of what's called the upper room discourse or the final discourse that Jesus gives. And what he's doing is he's preparing up from chapter 13 to chapter 16. He's preparing his followers for his departure, for his death, for his burial. And in Ch John chapter 17, what he is doing is he is praying on behalf he is he is presenting himself as mediator between god and man yeah. this is called the the high priestly prayer it's it's a beautiful prayer and it's only 26 verses long but i'm gonna i'm gonna read it for you and it just shows us the love that god has that jesus had for his disciples that god has for his people and that he 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 desires a relationship he desires reconciliation he desires for us to know him and th that's Amen. what this says. It says in, in chapter 17, verse one, it says this. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to whom you have given him. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they received them. And you have come and have come to know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you gave, you, you have given me. And I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but you give, you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who have who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Amen. Amen. Man, just think Jesus is praying for his people right here. Yeah. Praying for his disciples. And he is doing that right now for us at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us as we walk this life, praying that God sanctifies us, praying that God works in us, that through the word that we preach, the words that we speak, people may come to know his goodness and his glory. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you guys for joining us. We're going to take this over to TikTok here real quick, but I'm going to end the broadcast. God bless. Have a great uh, night. We'll see you next week. Thank you.